Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're trying something a little different. Rather than go behind the scenes on a full show, we're going to deep dive into one specific scene. The scene in question is from season one of Showtime's Kidding, starring Jim Carrey. More about that, but first, let me introduce our guests. Returning to the show, Katie Carroll, first assistant director. Welcome back. Hi, Skid. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. And joining us for the first time is Phil Bufano, set dresser. Phil, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks, Skid. Glad to be here. Glad to have you both. Uh, warning for listeners, today's conversation may contain spoilers. Again, though, we're not diving deep into the show. You should go watch it. And even if you haven't, this one scene is just pretty fascinating on its own. As we said, it's season one. It's episode three. And uh, the character played by Ricky Lindholm, Shayna, she goes through a transformation inspired by watching Mr. Pickle's Puppet Time. Now, it covers a period of time, and all those transitions happen in a single shot. For those of you who are not familiar with it, it's easy enough to find. If you go on YouTube, search for Kidding Behind the Scenes, a couple of versions of it will pop up, where there's the shot itself side by side with a high shot of the crew working these various spots. So go check it out. We'll be here when you get back. It's two minutes long, and I'll add some context for our conversation. While people are doing that, Katie, Phil, talk to me about working on Kidding in general in that first season of the show. Oh, gosh. Well, when I first found out I was going to be on the show, I'm like, oh, Jim Carrey, that's exciting. It's showtime. This will be different. And it was definitely uh, an experience. <laughs> Overall, I still loved it. Um, it was very, very difficult. Michelle Gondry was a showrunner and like the creative director. He did six out of 10 episodes. And he is very well known for his very creative shot selection and how he shoots things. But from my understanding, he tends to do them mostly in commercials. He's done a couple of features where there are some, some of those shots that really stand out, but mostly commercials and music videos. So he spent a lot of time trying to make uh, some visual things really, really awesome. And then sometimes the story would fall by the wayside. And so then you'd have to focus on how to tell the story. Now, Katie, you were there first season. Phil, you worked on both seasons of the show. I did. I, ironically, I came into the first season thinking I had another show to go to. I thought I was just going to be there for a few weeks. Uh, but once I got there, I met uh, Max Orgel, the production designer, and, and my future mentor, Ken Turek, brought me through. And the more I was there, it was hard work, but I, I started realizing how like creatively fulfilling the show was. We were just doing like just lots of weird, different stuff. So uh, if I recall correctly, leading up to this, the first couple of episodes were uh, a little a little rough on everybody. You could feel that that tension of the crew building up. So like I said, Ken is at kind of at the end of his career and he came up to me one day and he was like, uh, hey, uh, so uh, they're going to do this thing and the walls are going to turn. And uh, yeah, it's all you, bud. I'm out <laughs> on this one. <laughs> So, uh, you know, just the fact that I had opportunities to do stuff like that uh, and, and take on that responsibility was was, was kind of cool looking back on it. Well, so talk to me more about how it came to be. So when the script came out, was it written that way, that this was going to be a single shot, basically? Or was that something that sort of developed over the creative process? I got the script and I was prepping technically before the director even started. It read one shot. We go around like... 
I'm not sure how we're going to shoot this. So the first schedule I kind of mocked up had us going basically once a day at the end of the day, thinking maybe we would use motion control and we'd have to every single day go back to the set, having changed the set over in some way, shape or form, having changed the actor's look in some way, shape and have motion control redo it. And we just do one shot a day, every day for 10 days, 12 days, whatever it was. Knowing some days we all on location couldn't do it or put them all together, whatever, and create this thing on stage. I had no idea. And of course, before the director even started, the producer was like, well, we can't do 12 days of motion control. I'm like, I don't know what this shot is. I don't know how to schedule it. We, I, this is an exercise in let's see. So when the director first started, he had been a longtime fan of Michelle Gondry. And I remember literally the very first thing we did, his first day, my, I can't remember if it was even a Monday, but he came down, he and I and the producer and Max, the production designer, met Michelle on stage while he was filming and just pitched ideas. And the director already had an idea and his overall concept, which I found out later, but he wanted to out Michelle Gondry, Michelle Gondry. Like, okay, that's <laughs> not nothing. Here we go. And your director on the show was Jake Schreier. Is that right? Jake Schreier. Mm -hmm. And he's also done a lot of uh, music videos and commercials and a lot of really creative, visually stunning things. But he's also done some features with some decent stories as well. That was the initial germination of the idea of and getting Maxwell involved and how to get walls to turn. And we had a couple other meetings and we incorporated a costume designer, Rahelia. We tried to figure out like how many times are we going to see the character so that she could figure out how many changes she needed roughly what was the time span between seeing the character. So how long did she have to figure out the changes? And our very first rough meeting where we figured out, okay, we'll have two photo doubles and we'll see the actress six times. And then Rahelia was, okay, so I've got eight seconds between changes. So when I figure out the fittings, we can figure this out and do a timing at eight seconds, eight seconds, eight seconds, okay, great. I mean, later on, we learned with the photo doubles, we used that to not go back to the TV. So that became four and a half to five seconds between seeing the actress for those two times we had a photo double. Like, so that was Rahelia moving on the fly on the day, which was, she and her team did an amazing job also. And it just kind of slowly, as we were prepping the whole episode and all of the other scenes and all of the other locations and all the other visuals, we consistently had other meetings about that. And Max was the one who really came up with like, hey, if I could turn this wall and turn this small wall, and turn this small wall, put a window here. If this wall could pull away, reveal this wall. So Max had a lot to do with it as well. And he and Jake really kind of jumped on each other in, a, in the right way of how to do this and create, helped create it. And amazingly, I don't know how much they kept talking to Michelle Gondry. Once Michelle Gondry gave the thumbs up to the idea, they just jumped on it. And I don't know how much Michelle really, he was kind of like, yeah, just let me know how it goes. Show me. Like he didn't really want to put his two cents in. He wanted to stand back and let Jake and Max and Sean, the DP, do, do their thing. And we're like, okay, here we go. I actually, I took the uh, initiative to call Max on this and had a conversation with him about it. And so I guess a lot of his input was filtered through Michelle. That makes sense. He wanted, yeah. So he wanted to know that Michelle, even though he wasn't directly involved, he uh -huh. was still up there pulling, uh -huh. pulling some strings, you know. <laughs> Good. From, from my perspective, I wasn't in on all the meetings like Katie. So the first time it was presented to me they handed me this extremely confusing diagram with about 50 arrows on it about what, 
what goes where and what direction and how it swings around. But yeah, I thought it was funny that they thought it was something, you know, that it could be like, you know, so rigidly planned. And we quickly found out that that just wasn't possible. The creative process of this and how, what Katie was talking about, how collaborative this was, was really something special and not I for me not something I get to very be a part of often especially now I've moved into more of a logistics world in this business which is fine and I like it but uh creatively and collaboratively this project was really something something special so we have this collaboration between obviously cinematography how it's going to be filmed with the actors how that's going to move around and then as you say with this set where the walls are constantly shifting things are coming in and out but you said it couldn't be designed quite that tightly. What was the difference between what you tried to do, Phil, from a set decoration perspective, and then where you saw changes coming up to the actual filming? Well, like I said, if they started us out with this diagram. I don't believe Katie was on at the beginning. They had another AD we started with, and we had this diagram. And we kept trying to rehearse to this diagram. And, you know, Jake's there, and we're trying to go through it piece by piece. And everybody's looking at it kind of like, uh, like super confused. You know what I mean? Like, well, this arrow goes to here. It's like putting together the most complicated Ikea piece ever, you know? <laughs> and everybody was just like, uh. So we kind of like ended up scrapping that whole concept and figured out along the way that this was more like theater. Just because we're not the actors doesn't mean we don't have beats and timing and stage position. And we still basically we just figured out that we did it 15 seconds at a time. Essentially, we rehearsed one thing. We, we saw how far we could get and like, oh, OK, that works or that doesn't work. Or what can we do? Uh, our decorator, Don Deers, was really great in coming in and, and, and helping us figure out the furniture because furniture definitely had to change based on weight and accessibility through the doorways and exits. Like I said, it was very like, from a set dresser's perspective, like you never get to work with the director and the actor and give them your input on how things will work, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and it, they had to be like that because of just the, the nature of what this was, you know? Like it, it, it took everybody kind of, come, whatever the best idea was had to happen. And it wasn't always mine for sure. But like, you know, my whole crew that I was working with, like everybody really, focused on making this work and getting the time that we needed to hit. That was another big part of it. We were looking at what I think it was like a minute and a half was the goal. I think the goal, Jake kept saying the goal was two minutes. I found out later he actually was thinking it was going to be two and a half, but mm. he kept saying two because he didn't want us to undershoot. I'm like, yeah. oh. I mean, yeah. not wrong, but at the same time, like, dude. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was funny with the other AD, the concept was because we had done a couple of mini rehearsals the day before, like, how does this wall move? And like kept, as you and your crew were like working on some of the basics before we could even jump in. And so I had done some of the calling of some of that stuff just to kind of get us into the rhythm of what it was like. So on a day, it was actually a double up with the next block. This was the last day of filming for Jake for this block of filming, the next episode was gonna start and they were gonna be on the next stage over. And I was technically supposed to start, why? Yeah, something like I should have been in prep or something. I don't know, whatever it was, but- um, You were working on the other episode and you switched. Right. You, yeah. For whatever reason, I was supposed to first, what was filming on the other stage, but it wouldn't have been Jake because he would have had to direct this. So yeah, I think, I think we blew it. Covering something. I think, I think we like blew everything minute. up to put us all together because it seemed like yes. when we were, we all kind of like, we're on the same page and we're like, all right, right, everything else gets scrapped. 
put everyone else where they need to go. Like, just you guys figure it out. And yeah. we thought we could. And I guess right. we did. Yeah, I brought in an AD who had theater experience. I'm like, okay, this is great. She has theater experience. She can jump in. But I didn't realize the knowledge of the last three weeks of us talking about it and doing it. Like, I just, I couldn't transfer that within an hour of just conversation. No. I mean, she's a great AD. So I said, hey, you go over there and help over there. And I'm just going to do this. And we spent all day on it. Because besides this one shot, we then had like two other scenes to do after that. Yeah, I think we had a, a week of rehearsals, if I recall correctly, for set That's deck. Right. We, we rehearsed for like a week straight. Mm -hmm. Nothing but that every day. And that was before we introduced the actor and the dog and the costume changes and a lot of the lighting changes. That's right. There's all the lighting and stuff that's shifting as well. And so it sounds like you set it up as a splinter unit. Yeah. Have the time to rehearse and really make sure everything was in place before you got to the day. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Because once we were like truly prepping it, we realized we don't actually need the entire crew. It's one camera, so you don't need the second camera. It's minimal sound. It was a day player sound department, and I still remember the boom guy walking up. I'm like, no, you're not in there. <laughs> oh, but I not in. You have not seen what's happening. You're not in there. Yeah. No, but I, no, nope. And, and I appreciate what you want to get. I really, really do nothing in here i'm going to be yelling the entire time you're not going to get anything about so yes you can plant a mic in maybe one place but all the furniture's moving i don't think we even wired ricky lindholm just because she was constantly changing costumes oh I, you know what it was i think they planted a boom mic up at the top kind of where i was above so that they could get anything but like there's no valid dialogue to get there and everything else is are constantly yelling phil yelling my yelling other people yelling okay good and this and that so the sound was kind of i don't want to disparage sound but it, it wasn't <laughs> for the collaborative effort of this scene sound was kind of on the outside of that exactly and then the lighting was pre-programmed in so we just needed our dimmer board op who was also amazing i realized after the fact like Wow, we never had to rehearse lighting. He just did his thing. And that's where uh, Sean and Max had worked together for years. And so they had, I'm sure, had many, many conversations. Okay, with this time, great. Because I never worried about shadows. None of that stuff ever had to be part of our rehearsal. So that was already dialed in. And after that, like, you don't need four electricians and four grips. It's pre-rigged. It's all on the dimmer board. Like, you, you don't need a full crew is what I'm saying. So you needed the set dressers. We needed four different customers to be at the different places Ricky came and went to help her change. We needed a couple of PAs to help the set dressers who we jumped in to move furniture. And after that, that's kind of it. So we finally were like, okay, this doesn't need to be a full main unit thing. There's no point to it. You're not utilizing the whole crew. After Once we get into the scene work, then we have a couple of extra guys who can come in and help us out. But it's, it's a splinter unit. Well, but then you also need some kind of animal wrangle. You guys have live dogs coming <laughs> in, now, and I don't know how how they do for rehearsal or just when you can't make it any harder, you got to throw in <laughs> some live animals, you know, multiple live animals. That's right, the exactly. Part. The dogs. I mean, yes, they were show dogs, but at the same time, one was a puppy, so really not that much experience because I think we ended up with golden retrievers, golden labs, something like that. And I honestly yeah. it was just because they were the ones that we could show the greatest growth. I think there was the one only, I think there were maybe one, two different options where the animal wrangler had a puppy and a full grown dog that looked the same. Then one other option was maybe a French bulldog. It's like, but it wasn't a baby puppy. It was bigger. So it was like, they look the same. You can't tell age progressions. Plus they're, not, they're smart and the adult dog was show. So it worked out fine. But yeah, that was okay. So now we can't even keep certain doors open. We've got to be able to close them so the puppy doesn't run out or like, oh God. Okay. 
when you were talking about the photo doubles, I think it's interesting when you know it's one shot, mm-hmm. then you can start to pick out which ones are photo doubles because yeah. the face is covered or the certain angle. But before that, you don't really notice and you think there must be digital trickery going on. Well, ironically, when the show first aired, and I was super excited because I hadn't seen the final product. I'd seen the, the, our behind the scenes thing, but I hadn't seen the final product of, the, of what we filmed until the show aired. When it aired, a reviewer came out and said, oh, all the digital trickery on Twitter. And I remember tweeting back at him like, I can't say this yet. I can't say this yet. And so <laughs> uh, at the end of the season, when Showtime finally released the behind the scenes and they put it out and put it on YouTube and let everyone see, I linked it and finally put it back to that same review. I'm like, dude, you owe this crew an apology. We're, we were <laughs> off. There was no digital trickery. Shut your mouth and apologize. I don't even remember who it was, but he said something like, oh, wow, that was actually really cool. I'm like, oh, I know. <laughs> What's funny about the scene is if you watch it back, it, I mean, it's not a, a truly remarkable shot. Like, you Mm-mm. could very well have hidden cuts and, like, you wouldn't know that all that was happening behind. So uh, thank you, Showtime, for uh, showing the work that went into it because I don't think it just would have been another shot that nobody thought of otherwise, you know? Exactly. Phil, were there specific beats in the set deck aspect like that were particularly troublesome in that or that, that you guys tripped up on? The couches are tricky because they're just big, but we figured that out. Uh, we ended up gluing things to tables so that tables were able to move in and out swiftly without stuff falling everywhere. Right, uh, right. I'd say that the trickiest part's the TVs because they were practical and real and had to be plugged in. So we had to factor in plugging in things and unplugging things and making sure they turn on. And I think that was definitely the craziest part is we had the working TVs. And there were specific beats on the TVs that had to be hit because his dialogue, you know, we're, we're doing it. The whole thing is timed to a monologue on top of everything else. So the monologue needs to line up with what he's doing on TV. So it's, 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 that, was, that was nuts. The bike was big also. Yeah, I remember the bike. Yeah, because the, the other thing is, once somebody came in and a bike is cumbersome to move and hung it up, a couple of times you'd go back and like the wheel was still moving because you hung it so quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you also had to hang it and then stop the spin. Uh, yeah, which any extra beat anybody takes. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, our, our crew was so focused in and uh, people I didn't even think we had one guy that was to not name names, but. He was kind of not into it at the beginning. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. This is stupid. Why are we doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And then by the end, he was like, yeah, he was so stoked. <laughs> How many takes did you guys go to get one that you were happy with? Uh, we did four. Well, with the morning of, uh, a morning right. of rehearsals. Morning of, yeah. We rehearsed all morning. And then I think I went to you guys at lunch and was like, look. Like you can only move this furniture so many times. Like we're starting to fade, uh, mm-hmm. you know, physically. We just can't be as quick if we keep going. We got to definitely go for it. And I think, yeah, four after lunch, we got four and on four, we nailed it. So yeah. it was really great. First take, I want to say was like almost four minutes. Yeah, it was long. It was long, but it was correct all the way yeah. through. The second take, I blew a cue and I just remember, oh, crap. Oh, man. And Jake, I'm like, I'm up in a man lift, 25 feet up in the air. And Jake is yelling at me, like, can you do this? Can you do I'm like, yeah, I'm, I know what I did wrong. I can fix it. 
it's not any different than somebody like tripping when they were moving something or the dog not being handed off in the right place. Like everybody had their moment as my, my, my moment, I'll fix it. As we learned from earlier, when we brought in a different ID, like having someone else start over in my position is only going to make it worse. So let me just fix it. Don't worry. And then take three was two and a half minutes. Like we picked up speed fast and then take four was less than two minutes. It was like a minute 50 or something or whatever, whatever the final product is, that's take four. Like, holy shit, holy, holy shit. I think one of the craziest parts to me also is that, so we rehearsed with the director and he was our, our steady cam operator for the, for, you know, the most oh, part. Oh yeah, like doing and the I, hand thing with the camera. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, showing us where the camera was looking. And uh, as you could tell, when you watch the video, there's not a lot of room and there's people swarming all around that steady cam operator. And that dude, his name was Dennis. Yes. He came in on the day and absolutely just nailed it. Like he was there with us the whole week. And I thought that was, I was just so impressed by that. It's, uh, you know, it was so much to take in. It's such a short period of time. And he was just a true pro and just absolutely nailed it. Yeah, he did. When you guys were talking about that sort of theater mentality of the crew, where you guys are on stage having to hit these beats and cues, following that out, did you also have an audience? Like were there other crew and folks around watching this happen? I mean, everybody was watching as we were doing it, but I do remember they had a break in filming on the other stage. So Jim came over to watch, I think it was take four. Yeah. And I think it was like, I remember seeing him like, oh, uh, okay. All right, don't fuck this one up. <laughs> Sorry, kid. But oh my God, Duh, uh, like adrenaline at the highest it's almost ever been for me. When the director yelled cut and the whole crew cheered, I was like, did that just work? Did, yeah. did that just work? And everyone's like, that was amazing, that was amazing. And I was yelling from 20 feet up, yelling at the director, watch it again, make sure. Because he was like, right then, like, we got it, let's I'm like, no, stop, yeah. just but make watch sure. It. Watch it. We can't find out tomorrow that you caught the edge of a foot or something as somebody was running away or watch it again. So while they were watching, I took that like minute and a half just to like calm my heart. Like, I think that worked. I think that worked. There's a couple of different versions out there of it. And definitely, in my opinion, the best one is at the end when the whole crew cheers and you yes. can hear it. It's really like, yes, you can tell it's very authentic. You know, people, it is like we were all really like I said, it was kind of overall, it was a rough part of shooting. Yeah. You know, beginning of a first year ambitious show. And it was a it was a nice pick me up for everybody across the board that we could yeah. pull that off because that was the end of the block. So at that point, four episodes are done, and it went long. Uh, between all four episodes, we were easily at least a week over at that point, and there was no chance of making it up. So all the days were kind of going long. Everything was long. Mm-hmm. It was not necessarily what everyone signed up for. So it was <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a shot in the like oh this is creative of what we're going for. This is really freaking awesome yeah. yeah two months later phil i saw you i was prepping i saw you at lunch it's like literally two months six weeks later or something like that where i was stopping like that was so cool <laughs> i mean we're still doing it today really. <laughs> four years later yeah. uh, this video got out there as you said there's a couple of different versions you can find them on youtube um of the behind the scenes can you tell me every couple of years it starts making the rounds again yeah, it's weird. Every now, like somebody will come up to me and say that like on a totally different show out of town, like, hey, did you work on this? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, I was just watching it. And I heard your voice. Because like, <laughs> okay. the GoPro camera that was filming that was right next to where I was because that was the best vantage point. And I, to make the calls, needed the best, best vantage point. So my voice is right there through all of it. That's so random. And I'll think, oh, I haven't watched that in a while. I should watch it again. And I'll watch it or um, 
the Facebook group crew stories came up and somebody was talking about like, oh yeah. So yeah, every couple of years, every year or so something, somebody brings it up again or somebody discovers it having not seen it or something. And it just kind of comes back as this is one of the things we do that's really, really cool that can really like vitalize you to how awesome this business is and some of the really awesome things we do and what keeps you in it, frankly. Sometimes the hours are long, it's grinding and then something like this happens and it keeps you going. You're like, this is why I'm in this business. Absolutely. Every now and then I'll get somebody just out of the blue, like, hey, have you seen this? I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it live. That's me. Yeah, yeah, right there. I saw it as we filmed it, as I'm looking at yeah. the guy's monitor. It's definitely been a bit of a calling card for me. I've uh, progressed a little bit in my career and I've definitely put that on my resume. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, I'm very proud of it and thought it turned out really, really great. Well, listeners, if you got this far and you didn't go watch it, I do encourage you to put a pin in that. Uh, YouTube, search for Kidding Behind the Scenes, and uh, really, really an amazing bit of work. And like you said, inspiring. You guys, on that note, we're going to call it a wrap. Great having you both here. This was fun. Great to see you again. Good to see you too, Phil. Uh, you too, Katie. We'll do it again in another four years. I hope so. Listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, below the line, one word, dot biz. That's B-I-Z. You'll also find past episodes and links to all of our social media, so check it out. Phil, where are we going to see your work next? American Gigolos, so I'll be right back on Showtime. Not many sets changed the way that did, but uh, <laughs> it definitely was still an adventure, but I think it's a beautiful looking show and this looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Katie, what about you? I just finished up uh, season two of Perry Mason. Also, no magic set changes. Period piece is totally different than Kidding. It was also very cool and fun to work on. My closing credits, thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Juan for our logo, and to all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line. Oh boy, hold on. I have Kid Agro. I need to lock my door. <laughs> <laughs> hi visitors He's hi. Hey, hi, how are you? <laughs> all right sorry i'll door real quick sorry about that look logan i thought i would too wherever we get a new audience we're happy to bring them on the podcast like it's hard uh, sunday morning is daddy time yeah yeah he snuck up on me on that one i guess i should have locked the door i had a little too much faith in him yeah when this thing when this comes up in 14 years again yeah, 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 and people watch the video and listen to the podcast. Then you can tell. And them then stuff. he comes on and talks about how his dad worked on this project. <laughs> <laughs>